Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Hello, my name is Paul Washer. I have been a father for many years. My oldest is uh, about ready to go off to college. And um, in the time with my children, I think we've gone through the book of Proverbs line by line for maybe four times. And it's always been a great, great blessing. And so I hope that this will be a blessing to you. Now, what age range am I shooting for? Um, I guess the, the center of it would be about 12 years old. And I think that children below that age will benefit from it, but also I think that children and, and maybe even adults would benefit from it. Oftentimes when I have sought to teach children in a certain place, I've had adults come up to me and say, wow, I've never understood the text until now. And so we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. It's going to be very, very informal. So uh, let's get started. And I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 7 talking about the usefulness of Proverbs, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Before we start, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come before you in the name of your Son, and I pray, Lord, that you would help us to simply understand and apply and live out these words of the wise, because we know, Lord, that ultimately they come from you, that your scriptures are inspired, that every word proceeds from the mouth of God. And so help us, Lord, and help those who are listening, especially the youth, to grow wise unto salvation and to grow in the wisdom of how we should live as Christians. Lord, please help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about what is a proverb. And I want you to think about two different aspects of a proverb. First of all, know this, as I said in my prayer, the scriptures are inspired. They come forth from the mind and mouth of God. They are the words of God, and they carry that authority and that wisdom and that omniscience. Never doubt that, never doubt that, that when we study this wisdom, this is not just some observations from some very old and wise men. These are the very words of God. At the same time, looking at the human side of the book of Proverbs, I want you to think about this young person for a moment. Imagine an old man who's been sitting on a bench for about a hundred years, and before him he has seen people live out their lives. And, and as he studies each person, he begins to see certain patterns 
and he begins to see the certain consequences are results of those patterns. And that's something that we can see in the book of Proverbs. Now, a lot of times people will take a, pro a promise in the book of Proverbs and say, you know, if I do this and this and this, I'll never be sick. If I do this, I'll always be rich and I'll always prosper. That's not what is intended here. What is intended is this, that there are general principles of life that can be recognized if you just, if you just study them. That, that you do certain things and generally there are certain results. For example, let's say that um, there's a guy who walks around and he's always bemoaning, he's always complaining about the fact that he gets beat up so much. But you find out that, you know, his lifestyle, he's very arrogant with his words, with his mannerisms. He goes to very dangerous and dark places where there are very angry and, and evil men. And so you just look at the pattern of his life and you say, if you do this, this, and this, you're going to continue getting beat up. Whereas if you would stop doing these things and do other things, you would get beat up a lot less. Or you see someone who is very, very diligent in their labor, very respectful, very diligent. And by and large, when you see people like that, commonly they will prosper. Now, that doesn't mean they won't be sick. That doesn't mean that they won't go through terrible times of difficulty or even that they won't suffer poverty. But what it means is as a general principle, if you live this way, you're going to see these kinds of results. And so that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with just practical wisdom and general rules that have general outcomes. Now, here's something about being a Christian. We don't follow the Word of God just so that we will somehow be blessed. Understand me. Uh, it, and what I mean by that is, is temporally, or that we'll prosper, or that we'll, we will be able to eliminate pain and suffering and trials in our life. That's not why we follow principles. We follow the principles of Scripture to honor God, to honor Him, you see. And God honors those who honor Him. And God always works good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, sometimes that good includes discipline, includes times of trial, because God, when, he, when God talks about doing good in our life, his standard is a lot higher than ours. Young person, do you want to know what the real ultimate good is for you? Your salvation, and that you be conformed to the image of Christ that you be more like Jesus Christ. That, that's the greatest good you can go for. And so if in, if in that process I have to go through very difficult times of trial and suffering and, and all sorts of things that, that, may, that may even be very frightening to me, that's okay. As long as I understand that God is sovereign, that he's working through all this, and he's working through it for my greater good. Now, listen to me. There was a time when I was your age. It was like, I don't know, 1,500 years ago. I was your age. And, and I can tell you that it goes by so fast. And I didn't become a Christian until I was like 21 years old. And then I really, you know, I didn't really, really come to understand how I should live in light of Scripture until a few years after that. But you're listening to me now. You have the opportunity to understand that this book 
is the revelation of God's will to you. And through it, you can have a truly blessed life. Now, as we're going to talk about later, it's not primarily because of the principles. It's primarily because of the person it reveals, Jesus Christ. Because you can know all the principles in the world, and you could even be the most obedient and wise man in the world, and yet you have nothing, children. You have nothing without Jesus Christ. Trust me on that one. But don't just trust me. Trust what the scriptures themselves say. Now, I want to look at something that's very, very important. And, you know, some, somebody asked me, why did you go through the book of Proverbs so many times? And I said, well, because there's a lot of wisdom there for young people. And they say, well, what about the gospel? Well, I can assure you, in my household, we go through the gospel almost every day. But, but I, want you to, I don't want you to see the gospel as independent of the book of Proverbs. That's where people go wrong. It's the same way with the law. They go wrong because they look at the law not in the context of the gospel. I want you to see everything in Scripture in the context of the person of Jesus Christ and the gospel because that's what it's all intended to reveal. Now, let me just share with you. What is the purpose of the law? Okay? I want you to hold your place in Proverbs, but I want you to go for a moment to the book of Romans with me. And we're going to go to... see if I can find it here. I, I got a new Bible, so I don't know where everything is. Um... Let's go to Romans 3, and I want, you to, I want you to look at something that is so extremely important. What is the purpose of the law? So many people think, you know, when I talk to them on the street about, you know, do you know, are you going to go to heaven when you die? They'll automatically go to the fact, well, I try to keep the law or I try to do good. But what is the purpose of the law? Chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So what's the purpose, the true purpose of the law? Well, there are great principles. There's a revelation of God's character. There is holiness, and there's a lot about how to live. But the true purpose of the law is to reveal to you that you have sinned. And that because you have sinned, you cannot save yourself, and you need a Savior. And so the law directs us to the gospel, to Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life you and I have not lived, and died under the penalties for all our disobedience, in dying, he satisfied the demands of God's justice that were against you and me. You see, with his death, he did that, with his suffering and his death. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he seated at the right hand of God, and all that is evidence that his work on Calvary was sufficient to save you and to save me. You know, I have been in the ministry for, for many years. <laughs> through many dangers, uh, I have passed. Through many difficulties, I have walked. If I died right now, I would go to heaven for the same reason you would go to heaven if you're a Christian. Because Jesus Christ died for our sins. We add nothing to his work. Nothing. It's all him. Remember this, young person, there is only one hero in this story, and it's our elder brother, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's the relationship between the law and the, and, uh, and the gospel. 
But what a lot of people don't see is there's the almost an identical relationship between Proverbs and the gospel. In what way? When you read the law, you realize you've not kept the law, that you've been disobedient. When you read the book of Proverbs, you realize you have not been wise. You have been foolish. You have been foolish in, in very, very sinful ways. And you need the one who is all wisdom, Jesus Christ who also died for your sinful foolishness, you see. And then like the law, once we trust in Christ, the law can be a delight. If we're trying to earn our salvation by keeping the law, the law is a cruel taskmaster. We'll never make it. But if being saved through faith in Jesus Christ, we can then look at the law and find glorious wisdom because our standing before God is not based anymore on our performance, but based on Christ. So now we can go back to the law and we can look at it and go, wow, that's really wise. I need to incorporate that into my life. Well, it's the same way with the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs shows me that I've been a fool from birth and that even now, as an older man in Christ, I still do foolish things. All sin is foolish and foolishness. But see, the Proverbs, they direct me to Christ, who is wisdom itself. He is the word of God, the perfect revelation of God, the perfect example of everything that God is because he is God. And so when we look at the book of Proverbs, you know, each time we look at this and you go, wow, I have been a fool. I have not been wise. What does it tell you? You need Christ. You need Christ. You need Christ. You need Christ. I have seen in my lifetime so many supposed I believe sincere, Christian homes, I would say, where well, they, they intended to be Christian, but everything was principles. I mean, everything. I mean, principles about child raising and principles about the family and principles about marriage and principles about what children are to do and how they're to be homeschooled and everything else. And I, I'm not necessarily saying anything wrong about those principles, but all those principles without Christ it's death. It's death. It's just religion. It's just self-righteousness that's going to prop you up and make you arrogant. Yes, we need to have principles. And now listen to me, okay? We're going we're gonna to come to a close because I promise to keep these between 15 and 20 minutes. Now listen to me very, very carefully. Christianity has rules and has commands. It does. And you need to take them very, very seriously. But Christianity is not an ethical religion in the sense that we save ourselves by keeping certain principles. That's not Christianity. And, and as a matter of fact, there's only two religions in the world, Christianity and all the other religions. Because all the other religions have something in common. You do this, and do this, and do this, and you don't do that, and don't do that, and maybe in the end, God will weigh you in the scale, and you'll get to pass. That's not Christianity. You see, we have failed. And if God weighs us in the scale of his law, of his will, of his character, of his word, there's no hope. See, Christianity is different from all other religions. Why? Because we have a savior and it's not us. It's someone outside of us. It's God becoming man and dying on Calvary. That glorious person, Jesus Christ. He's everything. 
He's everything. He's everything. You know, Jeremiah tells us that um, strong men shouldn't boast in their strength and rich men shouldn't boast in their riches. But it even says that wise men shouldn't boast in their wisdom. What you should boast in is this, that, that, that you know God and that God knows you in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so we, we didn't get very far, did we? But I guess that's okay. Now, when we come back, what we're going to look at is um, there's a relationship that I want to show you between David and Solomon, between the two. And we're going to see how we don't need to be at one extreme or the other, but we need both things to be godly men and women. So God bless you, and I'll, I'll see you in the next, uh, next lesson. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.